Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Standing on the North Bank, the Swansea City podcast from Wales Online. Hello and welcome to another episode of Standing on the North Bank. This is a Wales Online production. Uh, my name is Matt Davis. Uh, today, joined with um, Ian Mitchell and guest pundit Ben James. Hello, how are you doing? welcome Ben. Good to see you both. Um, only one place to start. Deadline day. Um, to be honest, Mitch, uh, a relatively straightforward day for Swansea. We don't often say that, that there was, it was relatively serene, really. There was no real chaos, which is unlike, really, the way they were a year ago. Yeah, it's by far and away the, the quietest deadline they have covered since I've been here. So I've been here three years now, and let's be honest, you have no deals officially done, which was uh, a positive in many ways because it shows that they got the bulk of the business done in time, obviously losing the likes of Dan James, Ollie McBurney, massive blows, but there was a plan in place. We've, we've spoken about that this week and, you know, the, the deals have been done. They've got the cover in, um, in all positions as well. You know, not just the, the, the attack, you know, at the back, they brought in Ben Wilmot and Jake Bidwell, even the goalkeeper situation as well. So they've addressed what they needed to. Um, and it meant a relatively stress-free deadline day, which is, you know, music to the ears of the fans. Because let's be honest, rewind to even to January, that was horrific for the fans with the, the players who were leaving and the ones who nearly did leave as well so yeah it was encouraging wasn't it we don't often um, associate Swansea with uh, calm days on actual deadline day in January gone there was a flurry of deals and there was like three outgoings was it on January yeah, Roney. yeah Wilf, Tom, Caroline, Montero and then obviously Leroy Fur and Dan James almost went as well and they got Kept back at the last minute, or is he, it was even later than the last minute, wasn't it? So, and previous summer that was well, tough. Well, yeah. How many went out then? I think lost count. <laughs> yeah, well, it was. It was just a yeah, just an incredible uh, number that went out, and there's so much upheaval. But now, as you said, there seems to be some sort of plan in place. Yeah, it's been it's been a lot more structured. I mean, you know, losing Graham Potter was a a, a big blow early this summer. And it was one of the events that was unexpected this summer mm. you know, a lot of members of staff have, have lost their jobs they've been made redundant and a lot of taken voluntary redundancies as well players we always knew Dan James was going to leave Ollie McBurney there was always a chance but we probably didn't expect it and you know that's happened as well so but the one that they could never really have planned for at the time as Trevor Birch said you know he'd only been in a month and, and Graham Potter's already out the door after one season so um, but even with all of that they've still got by they've appointed Steve Cooper you know a lengthy process they brought him in he himself and you know Trevor Birch and obviously Leon Britton and Alan Curtis have played a big role as well they brought in their staff and then they've identified the players and like I said it's all been done in a, a calm manner and in plenty of time as well which is probably the key I think this summer that's, that's the thing isn't it if you look on paper at this summer you'd say it's been a dreadful summer because you've lost Graham Potter you've lost Ollie McBurney you've lost Dan James the club has kept Andre Ayew, Borja Bastian, mm. Jeff Montero. 
if you look at that purely on paper, you think, oh wow, that's been a you know four months ago. You'd say that's that's a dreadful summer for yeah, the Swans. Totally. But it's just it's just the fact that they've they've managed to sort of take all those sort of on the chin and deal with it early. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, Potter leaving literally, you know, at the end of sort of last season helped because it gave the Swans time to prepare. Same with Dan James, you know, barely the international window, wasn't it, that he'd gone. Yeah. Even even Ollie McBurney, even it was relatively late in the window, there was still enough time for the club to sort of deal with it. And that, that's that's the real positive, I think, for the Swans, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. So there, there, there was a plan in place. They probably knew that uh, McBurney was going to go. That's why then a couple of attacking options were lined up. And I think that goes to show that it's that everything wasn't left completely to the last minute. Um, it brings us on nicely to our next point. We, we're going to talk about the six incomings now. and I'd quite like to get your opinions on um, who are you most excited about for the season ahead? And we obviously haven't seen much of any of them so far, but there's there's certainly potential with with all of them, really. Yeah, I mean they had all four in the squad against Hull. Three of them got game time. Two of them started in Jake Bidwell and Freddie Woodman. Since then, we have Surridge, Aldo Kalulu. So it'll be interesting to see what they bring. Um, you know, they're, they're quite exciting additions in some ways. People don't know too much about them because they are young and they're not exactly fully experienced. You know, Kalulu to an extent is, and, and obviously Bidwell is. But the others, you know, there are a lot of young players in there. So, um, but to answer your question, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Christopher Peterson gets on. I've spoken to quite a few Liverpool fans about his time when he was in their academy. Never played for the first team up there and. He's forged a career abroad in Holland mainly, and he's come from Heracles this summer. Um, and in the 20 minutes or so he had against Hull, he looks exciting. You know, he's got a bit about him. He's quite clever, and he's got a, got a trick in him as well. So uh, yeah, I can't wait to see how he gets on. I think I saw uh, quite a few um, <coughs> fans on social media commenting about Bidwell and him putting in a particularly um, well, he put a, ta- put a tackle in, which was uh, very well appreciated by the members of the people sitting in the east stand yeah I'm sure I, I think I mentioned this on last week's pod as well but I spoke to people um, at some of his former clubs and they said he loves it he loves a challenge you know, he's erratic in some ways but at the same time that can get you going and get you fired up as players and as fans so um, in the football pools pick as well I actually had him to be booked and he did so that was quite nice but um, <laughs> as well as getting the score right by the way uh, you can have that one for free but no he's a um, wholehearted player I think you know, he's a, a very much a, a steady Eddie and let's be honest that was a problem position left back with Martin Olsen being released so yeah that's another tick in the box for for him and the way the, the club filled that role I suppose because his, his deliveries were sort of well received on Twitter at least I saw on Twitter so you know Got forward a couple of times and put some decent balls to the box, which is which is another sort of pleasing aspect, isn't it? He had a few, yeah, yeah. I mean, it took him time to get into the game. I mean, it didn't help having Bursan Salina out on the left. You know, we know he's best at the number ten, but obviously he wanted to play George Byers, so he had to play him further up with Jay Fulton sitting next to Matty Grimes. So um, I think that took a bit of time. Bursan Salina grew into the game in the second half, and it did help um, Jake Bidwell as the game went on, and we could see, you know, he gets up. Well, and he was, you know, like you say, he loves a tackle at the back. He was solid defensively, so yeah, it was an encouraging debut. You know, it wasn't incredible. You know, you're not going to rave about it, but it's um, it's going to take him time because let's be honest, it's a different style to maybe yeah. what he's been used to at, um, at QPR, isn't it? He certainly got on, bombed on quite well against uh, Atalanta when I was there for pre-season. Quite interested about the goalkeeping situation. I mean, mm. yeah, yeah, it's very. We've we've spoken about this a lot since Freddie Woodman's come in and. 
you know, I, I must admit, I did feel that he was going to play last week, and I picked him in the team that we selected before the game, and and that was the case, fortunately. And I think that's it now. I think that's a, a sign that he is going to be the first choice. Nord felt he was the sub keeper, so where does that leave Erwin Mulder? Obviously, Stephen Bender's injured at the moment, so you know we have to take that as it comes. You know, when he's back, does he get a, a slot in the squad? We don't know, so. Let's, it, let's yeah, not forget. Was it a surprise, really, that maybe one of the keepers didn't go yesterday? I mean, they could still go to <clears throat> teams on the continent. That's it, yeah. I was just going to come to that point, obviously, because you know, there's still, what, three, four weeks where they could go abroad. So, But, you know, let's be honest, there is a possibility that certainly one of them could go. You know, it would be Erwin Mulder or Christopher Nordfeld because they're in the final years of the contract. Stephen Bender's just had a new deal. Obviously, Woodman's coming here with a promise of regular football. So, yeah, I wouldn't rule it out, one of them leaving. Uh, everyone else has had their say on the goalkeeper debate, Ben. Might as well chip in with your 10 pence worth as well. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think we always got that from the, the initial quotes, didn't we, from when he first signed? It was that he's here to, he's here to play first team football. Um, so, yeah, it, it always looked like he was sort of going to start against Holland. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting you say that you know, you've know got two goalkeepers there with a year left on their contract. Obviously, Woodman's alone and he's well thought of in Newcastle, so he's not sticking around, is he? That's, I, I can't see that happening. I think he, he probably head back to sort of Tyneside afterwards then you are it's, it's interesting how, how the Swans play this with two, two of them with a year left on, on their contracts well Margotson hasn't been in position particularly long but he's obviously made quite a big mm, judgement yeah. call on the two two keepers who were vying for the number one <coughs> shirt last season yeah definitely I mean it was um, an area for concern last season you know Nord felt his, his football ability is great you know playing out from the back he, he suited that but you know his your heart was in your mouth nearly every time he got on the ball. Under the high ball, he was um, alarming at times. He cost them a few goals as well, which, you know, mistakes are going to happen when you're in transition. So it's not just him that will happen with any goalkeeper. But, yeah, I think, and you know, in fairness to the goalkeepers, Lee Trundle made a, a very fair point where he said they weren't getting regular game time for, you know, a good six, seven months. You know, I think Mulder had a good spell and then he got swapped and, Obviously, the injury, Nordfeld started the season and ended it. So, you know, you, you need to keep your faith in your goalkeeper. If they make a mistake, stick by them. Or if not, you change it and you stick with that decision. So that certainly didn't help. And you'd like to think with, with Woodman, as young as he is, that he will get that back in, which personally, I think he will. I hope so. Because I think that's a, what you need to do with your goalkeeper. I completely agree with what Truns was saying, really. That mm. You need to have keep faith because if he makes a mistake, he doesn't want to be thinking, oh, I'm out of the team. Now, exactly yeah. for, for weeks on end until I can earn, earn my place back um, Ben any of the others <coughs> players that you are particularly intrigued by I mean it'd be interesting to see how sort of Aldo Kalulu and, and mm-hmm. Sam Stoch sort of get on because um, you know we've we had a look at the, the, the stats when it comes to Kalulu and maybe his sort of strike rate in Basel doesn't give the best impression but you know I mean was it 17 appearances no goals, but mm-hmm. at the end, you know, obviously that's in terms of in terms of a forwards currency that doesn't look great. But you you do wonder what he sort of brought to the Basel team, and um, you know I think he's got a little knack of uh, skipping a club, isn't it? He, he used to score for Lyon, then he went to Rennes, <laughs> went without a goal. When a was it Socho? Socho, yeah, I think he scored Sochaux, eleven yeah, in thirty scored, there. Went to Basel, so you're hoping that Swansea will be his uh, the, the alternate. Yes, in, in mitigation for him, I suppose he's. He didn't, you know, those 17 appearances, I think a lot of them were as a sub for Basel. Um, and he's not an out and out number nine either. You know, he can play out wide, he can play yeah. behind a striker. Yeah. So it's not like he is a, 
a direct replacement for. That's going to be the other interesting fact is to see where the Swans use him, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We're trying to figure this out all week, and you know, it, it, I, I doubt it'll be as a number nine. I think Sam Surridge is that man, and if it's not him, it'll be Borca. So, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine it'll be out wide or just behind the striker. I'd, I'd suspect, but on Kalulu, speaking to people at the club who've watched him train, and he's um, in terms of his pace, he's not too far off Dan James by all accounts. So, quite exciting. He's only 23 as well, still a young man, so he's got plenty of room to develop. And of course, Swansea have got an option to buy him at the end of his loan. So yeah, he'll definitely be one to watch, really. Mm. Um, got written down here: Is the stro- uh, squad strong enough to mount a top half or a playoff push? Um, it's the squad. What we think is pretty much finalised now. We might obviously see. Well, we're likely to, we're likely to see Montero go to Birmingham at some point either today unless, unless the deal falls down um, AU as well There's we've obviously trailed this they obviously want to get him off the books it's difficult to say I, I suppose I'm probably answering my own question here um, difficult to say if they have got a decent enough squad until we see these players who have come in and what sort of impact they can have yeah 100% I think they deserve time to settle in and and you know have their stamp on things really I've been but, but the one key word for me is goals you know who in that team is going to be getting is there going to be a 15 season striker is that going to be Surridge is it going to be Borja is there you know who's the midfielder that's going to chip in with you know 8, 9, 10 goals is Selina going to be that man um, Kalulu Peterson or even even something like Wayne Routledge you know, he scored 5 last season and bear in mind he missed a hefty chunk as well so yeah if 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 one of the new recruits is one of those who does get you know fifteen to twenty, you know maybe not as much as Ollie McBurney last year with twenty four, but close to that tally, then of course they've got a great chance of building on what they did and being in and around the top six or maybe just below it. But without those big volume of goals, it's, it's going to be tough. But yeah, I think it all hinges on that, and you know with that time will tell on that. We we can't say at the moment, can we? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, you know, I think. You look at the sort of the squad last year; it was very much all on Ollie's shoulders, with sort of only Baker Richardson behind him. This current squad probably has the potential to sort of provide goals for more areas. It's just we don't know whether a lot of these new areas can sort of provide goals in the championship. Your Kalulu, Surridge, mm, yeah. you know, Pedersen. It's just so many sort of new variables now that we just, if they all do sort of take the championship life well, you know, maybe Swans have got a bit more sort of. Uh, depth and, and and variety where they didn't last year because it was very much a case of if Ollie McBurney was you know less than yeah. 50% which, which he very often was yeah, sort yeah, of close to was, 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 he, was, he was absent for through illness for three or four three or four yeah he'd he, 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 he been playing for a lot of the season with a was it a cracked shin I seem to remember was it something like that yeah, broken toe uh, broken toe wasn't it toe yeah. it was yeah and Maybe obviously he had his illness as well and you know a lot of problems and he still returned 24 goals for yeah you know, so it, was, it shows you how well he did and how sorely he's going to be missed. So, um, but yeah, no, like I said, you, if they do settle in well, these new boys, then Swansea could easily go under the radar, couldn't they? You know, a bit like they did to an extent last season, where you know they finished the season really well at home. They were outstanding. We saw a bit of that against Hull. You know, I think they were lacking up top in the final. You know, for, in the final third, in long spells of that Hull game, but they did slowly start to improve. And you know, let's let's forget it's a new head coach in new methods so it will take time but yeah they could easily go under the radar couldn't they in, in a positive way yeah uh, we, we touched on it already but if, could you just give us like the latest or the, the 
Swansea stance on, a, on AU, Borgia and, and Jeff, what yeah, the current situation is with them. Yeah, if you'd have asked this three weeks ago, it would have been a straight answer. They'd want to offload all three. I mean, the, the case is probably still the same with all three. Um, at the time of recording, Montero is still a Swansea player. He's in the last year of his contract, but um, quite literally on deadline, on the Thursday, we heard that he was set to join Birmingham on loan. That's not gone through. Uh, we're still waiting confirmation, so by the time this goes out, it could well be done, but we, we don't know the latest on that yet. But obviously, Swansea are keen to, to get him off the books, as is the case with Borja and Andre Ayew. However, with those two, they are now Swansea players. Steve Cooper is going to consider them this season. Um, Borja, we've obviously seen he's already scored, come back in his first game in over two years against Hull. Whereas Andre Ayew, of course, had a, a tricky spell at Fenerbahce last season, so... But for a man they signed for £18 million, pounds, you know, if he's in your ranks, why not use him? So I think that's the stance. Fingers crossed they can still offload him because he's on hefty wages, as is Borja. But if they can't find him, then it's encouraging that they're going to be playing a part. And you know, if they're not disruptive or there's no injury issues, then you know, there's two strikers in the ranks there. So that's, 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 that's the latest at the moment, obviously, with them, Montero could change. I mean, yeah, you really, if he was to play in this division, would absolutely tear it up. Yeah, you'd like to, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, um, you'd like to think the same with Borja, to be honest, wouldn't you? But yeah. I know I know he got the goal on Saturday, but he, he he wasn't by all accounts brilliant, was he? No, he was. Yeah, there was a few signs of rustiness, but you know, like I say, somebody like him, it might just be a confidence thing. Getting a goal, you can see the way he celebrates that. Even the one in pre-season, you know, we were talking about this just before recording. So, yeah, you just hope that he can show a little bit more, whereas Andre Ayew is definitely a more rounded striker, isn't he? You know, he's got the Premier League experience, not just with Swansea, but West Ham as well. So, um, yeah, they're not bad options to have, which, let's be honest, we never would have... It was unthinkable even, what, two, three weeks ago, isn't it? So, yeah, In theory, they could, as I said yesterday, have a <clears throat> strike force, one £80 million pound man and another one who's £15 million, pounds, which not many championship sides could no, boast. No. Um, I'm just trying to process that. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, we touched on it again there. Um, we haven't really looked at the, the whole game. It seems like a, an age ago, even though it's obviously less than a week. Um, a quick sort of summary of it, Mitch. I, I, I've got written down here a good response after an early, well, very early setback. I yeah. even uh, sat down on my seat. Yeah, that, that sums it up really. I mean, it was a bit of a scruffy goal to concede. I think it was Grzycki had a shot and there was a little flick from um, Daniel Batty. Well, Still dubious whether it was a flick, but it went down as his goal. He claimed it. So, but you know, credit to Swansea. I still thought they controlled that that first half, but there was just no penetration. Final third, as I mentioned, there was just a lack of cutting edge, and you could see the fans were just starting to get a bit frustrated at half time. There was a few grumbles, and you know, whatever Steve Cooper said at half time, it did the trick because they came out, went straight at Hull, two goals in what is it, a hundred odd seconds. That certainly helps. And the place was bouncing after that, and you know they just grew in confidence. The players, Matty Grimes, he was sublime in the second half. Jay Fulton, I thought had a very good game. There's you know some really good performances. Van der Horn and another one. And in fairness, Freddie Woodman had very little to do other than pick the ball out of his net in the third minute. So there's a little bit of a barrage late on, but you know they survived that well. And I think it was um, it was encouraging because let's be honest, it's still early days. So to be able to do that, show that type of character, and get the win, that's massively encouraging going into what's going to be a tough game. Against Derby, what, what was what did you make of Steve Cooper's sort of process during the game? So obviously, when when you had Graham Potter there, if if you know something wasn't going sort of well or they'd fallen behind in the first half, 
Potter wasn't afraid to sort of start changing things around mid-match. You know, he, he loves sort of changing the tactics. What, what, what was Cooper like in terms yeah. of responding to that? It was interesting because obviously personnel-wise, he didn't change anything at the break, which you know, a lot of managers don't. Um, he persisted with what he had, and I think he just told him to up the tempo a bit more. Pressing is something that he wants to do a lot more, and you know, out out of possession, you really got to win that ball back quickly, and you know, a lot of energy and hard work and. I just think they, they really upped the tempo in that second half, pressed from the front, and they just didn't give Hull time on the ball. It made a massive difference because it meant they were playing on the front foot and also they had possession. I think at half-time they had some like 68 69% of the ball and they didn't look like scoring, and yet in the second half they had something similar. But, you know, they were creating chances all of a sudden. So, yeah, it was. I think it was just a few words of saying, you know, be brave on the ball. As I said, Grimes, he was more and more confident as that game wore on a few really nice touches and passes he, d- he did have a really wobbly one just before half time where they could have gone 2-0 down but um, you know mistakes are going to happen with this young squad but it was good to see that Cooper was able to have that influence on them at half time and they took it on board and they were able to change and at that tempo because let's be honest they were could have been 3 or 4-1 and I think it would have been a much easier afternoon's work but they couldn't get that third goal which made it a bit nervous at the end but you know it's still a win from behind which is Superb way to start the season, isn't it? Um, yeah, facing Derby then tomorrow. Um, I watched them against Huddersfield on TV the other night. I was quite impressed by them. Did you see any of that bit? Yeah, yeah, saw bits of it. Yeah, they did. They did look impressive. Obviously, Huddersfield coming down from the Premier League. It's, it's, it's the first time that we've seen all three um, relegated Ever, Premier yeah. League teams uh, lose. Yourself, yeah, uh, you know there was one one game in Wigan as well, which I don't think we'll mention, but. <laughs> That was enjoyable. For, you, you can come again, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, Derby looked good. Um, no longer Frank Lampard's Derby, uh, <laughs> as uh, Sky Sports about to change the name. But um, yeah, re- really impressive. You know, you consider that they lost Mason Mount, they lost uh, Harry Wilson, uh, both sort of lone players from the Premier League, top end of the Premier League, really clubs. Mm. That was always going to be a big thing. Um, but you know, t- Tom Lawrence really, uh, really took the mantle on the other night, didn't he? Um, I've I've always been fairly sort of critical of Tom Lawrence. Uh, I, I sort of see him as being sort of a bit like Andros Townsend in that I think he's got some levels of quality there, and he clearly does. I just don't. I always feel he doesn't always quite deliver when he should. Um, I know that's a sort of a view that a lot of people sort of in the Welsh media and beyond think. But when when it does click, he has got the ability to produce moments of magic because the first goal was brilliant, second goal was brilliant. Um, you know, he could could have had a hat trick that night and it would have it would have been well deserved and they were all just moments of, of little little bits of magic really and that, that's uh, that's something that the Swans are going to have to sort of deal with yeah. although, although knowing that it'll probably be dreadful as well <laughs> I'll say I hope he's got the goals out of his system but no they, they were two lovely finishes and he showed what he's capable of you know he's a Wales international he's obviously rated highly by by Derby um, but you know new manager it's a chance for him to become their star man now with Wilson and Mason Mount going as Ben said so um, but you know, there's a few other players in there. You know, but Bogle, I think he's a, he's a wonderful fullback. Um, Martin Waghorn, he, he didn't look like scoring against Huddersfield, but what a vital player he is! Yeah. You know, linking up the play, holding up the ball, winning free kicks, endless running. You know, that type of player. It's it's, it's a dream for people like Tom Lawrence to have someone like yeah. him in your team. So, yeah, there's a lot for Swansea to be wary of, and you know, but I do expect quite an open game. We could see a lot of goals yeah. with the way both teams play. They, you know, quite similar approaches in terms of attack minded. So. Yeah, it's going to be hopefully an exciting game. Um, we'll finish on team news, Mitch. Um, Tom Carroll, 
yeah, so he's back in first team training, which is great news for him. Obviously, having hip surgery earlier this year, obviously he's not involved at Derby. He's still got, a, I think it's going to be around three, four weeks of um, stepping up, getting back to full fitness. But you know, he's he's back on the grass with the first team players, so that's that's hugely encouraging for him. And but elsewhere, it's a full clean, your know, clean bill of health. Wayne, Wayne Routledge back after missing last week, so yeah. That's another boost and another headache for Steve Cooper. Well, exactly. If everyone's available, it's going to be really interesting to see how how he lines them up. I do think that. I don't know if well, you know what's if he's going to deploy a different different system away away from home. Um, I see. It's almost we're feeling our way around the dark a little bit with Cooper yeah. because obviously this is his first, this is debut campaign managing it at this level. Yeah, definitely. I think you go back to last season. I mean, Graham Potter didn't name an unchanged team yeah. until I think it was at Preston in January, or it might be in the Aston Villa Cup game. It was those those were the two, um, and then obviously he had to settle side, and that's what you know they they played some of the best football in that second half of the season. So Steve Cooper might be similar. We might see changes every week, or we might see you know just the odd one here and there. But um, I can't see him changing too much. I think he'll go with the same goalkeeper back four. Grimes will obviously start. Selina. So I think you know you, you talk about seven or eight where you know already, but then it's just the case of does he go with Surridge up top, which personally I think he will. Christopher Peterson does he start or does Routledge come in, and then you know you're talking maybe Kalulu or someone else. Does Nathan Dyer stay on the right? But the bulk of it I think you can you can pick. But yeah, there's there's going to be I think there'll be one maybe two surprises. Which certainly gives us plenty to talk about. Um, I think that's probably a good place to wrap it up. Um, We've got two games to talk about next week as well, won't we? We'll have obviously Derby and they play Tuesday nights against Northampton in the Carabao Cup. Yeah, Carabao so Cup. it's back already. Well, that's, we could see players like Dander and Sorrow there. You'd have thought maybe change at the back, probably at the most definite change goalkeeper, most most probably maybe seeing Key, Key and Harry's playing. Yeah, hopefully you see some of them youngsters. You know, I think Steve Cooper was very happy with Key and Harris and you know, Brandon Cooper as well, two centre backs. Ben Wilmot, we've not seen him yet. You know, it's only had one game, but fingers crossed he'll get a run out there. So yeah, it's gonna be a good good chance to see some of the, the fringe players and see what they can do. Excellent. Okay. Well thanks, gents. Cheers all. We'll speak to you next week.